I had another life prior to being pastor here at Halifax Christian Church. I was the pastor of a little church called the Church of Christ in Dorn Ridge, New Brunswick. It was a community of, it might have had 10 families in it, and we had 100 people in that church. And that might have been why they hired me here. They said, wow, maybe we can do that in Halifax. But I was invited to speak at the Senior Citizens Club. And I had this great story. It's about Slappy Hooper, sign painter. I'll tell you the story sometime. And after it was over, they were having a membership drive. They wanted to get some new members in their club. And they especially wanted new members at this time because the Keswick Valley Parade was coming up. And they were going to have a float in that parade. And that meant they had a hay wagon with hay bales around the side. And they just sat there on the float, falling asleep. And, and then they asked me to become a member of the group. And I refused. I said, I'm only 25 years old. I cannot be a member of your group. I, but now I, I fit right in. <laughs> so I didn't want to have membership in the Keswick Valley Senior Citizens Club. When you commit to membership in the church, you become part of a very special 2,000-year-old God-ordained institution. Jesus said, I will build my church, and death itself will not be able to have any power over it. In the Bible, the church is compared to a building where each of us is a living stone and we support one another. It's also compared to a body in which there are many different parts, and once again, depending on each other for health. And then it's also referred to as a bride who normally accepts assistance from others to prepare herself beautifully for her groom. And I saw this, all three of my daughters got dressed in our house. And they had so many friends around them, the, the wedding party. It was a big event for them to get prepared for their wedding day. The Bible teaches us to love pray for, encourage, to honor, to accept, to live in harmony with, to instruct, forgive, bear with, and serve one another. And the list can go on. The Lord intends the Christian life to be lived in community and not in isolation. Yes, sometimes it's tedious because the temptations of the world are hard to resist, but the Lord never wanted you to try to do this on your own. He wanted you to be doing this in this community that we call the church. And that is what strengthens us. So in Acts chapter 2, when the believers accepted Christ and were baptized, the scriptures tell us the Lord added to the church those who were being saved. Now they didn't have the option to join the church if they wanted to. They were automatically added to the church of God. And being involved in the church is being involved in the eternal work of Jesus Christ. And this is the most important empire in the world. The Bible says that Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for it. So we should love the church and we should sacrifice for it. And we should take membership in the church seriously. 
So we are in a series of messages entitled All In, and last week James had an incredible message where he talked about being all in in regards to being a part of corporate worship each Sunday. And one of our members, David Hall, said on the way in, it's a good thing that God brought this weather today because the building wouldn't have been able to contain the two services that we would have. There'd be so many people here in response to that message. But today, we're going to look at another commitment, and that is to encourage you to study God's word. And we'd love for you to do that in community with other believers. Acts 2.42 in the voice translation records what the first Christians did. The community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them, gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and praying. And notice that they continually committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They didn't just accept Christ, get baptized, and then rejoice that they were saved. They were eager to learn more and more about what God had to say to them. Now this isn't a requirement to be a member here, but we encourage you to spend a block of time each week studying the Bible with other believers. It might be in one of our life groups. It might be in our college age group. It could be youth that are a part of Ignite Youth here on Wednesday evenings. Or it could be just getting together with a few other people and studying the Bible together. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Make every effort to give yourself to God as the kind of person he will approve. Be a worker who is not ashamed and who uses the true teaching in the right way. So we need to know God's word. We need to be able to use it without being ashamed. So if you are going to be someone who's all in, that means you're going to do your best to become knowledgeable about God's word so that you are capable of living it and then sharing it with others. So the first question is, well, why study God's word? Why do we put so much emphasis on getting you reading the Bible? Well, the answer is simple, because God's word provides you with nourishment for your soul. I love what Peter wrote here in 1 Peter. He said, you have been born again, and this new life did not come from something that dies, but from something that cannot die. You were born again through God's living message that continues forever. The scriptures say, all people are like the grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass dies and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord will live forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So then rid yourselves of all evil, all lying, hypocrisy, jealousy, and evil speech, As newborn babies want milk, you should want the pure and simple teaching. By it you can mature in your salvation because you have already examined and seen how good the Lord is. So the Bible also says that it is nutritional milk for young Christians. Now a healthy newborn baby instinctively craves milk on a regular basis. It can often be every two hours, and that can be on through the night as well. And they're not ashamed to let you know that they want milk. There can be very loud screaming. 
I know that my granddaughter, Jane, she reached a certain decibel that was detrimental to my hearing. You know when your hearing just goes, you, you, you hear that buzz going on? The only other time I experienced it was when I was helping a family from the church clear a lot to build their cottage. And we had a lot of shrubbery to burn and branches and everything, and it had snowed. So we couldn't get the fire going, so we had to actually use gas. And my buddy was injured, so I was doing everything. And I poured a little too much gas on that fire. And I threw the match, and then boom, I just went deaf for a moment. And he said, you just created a bomb. But my granddaughter could create a bomb every time she cried when she was hungry or when she was tired. When you're born into the family of God, you'll naturally hunger for spiritual nourishment. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So when you study and digest God's word, it feeds your soul, it strengthens your resolve, it actually enlightens your mind, and it develops your spiritual muscles because it is the primary source of spiritual growth. Now, feeding a baby is fun, unless it's the middle of the night. It's fun to feed them as they start to grow because you, you can just see them vibrating. They're so hungry, and they're looking at the food as you're about to place it into their mouth. You're a hero for providing that food. But it's not much fun to cook a really nice meal for a spoiled teenager who's picky and he complains about what you're giving him. But it's such a joy to teach the Bible to new spiritual Christian infants because they're hungry for simple spiritual truth. But some spiritual children are picky eaters because they're overfed and under-exercised and they frequently complain about the food. Psalm 119 describes the type of believer that I want you to be. I deeply love your law. I think about it all day. That's the type of believers that we want to be. You've seen those awful pictures of babies that are malnourished and living in impoverished countries and their stomachs are so bloated. And you'd think that those children would be so hungry But I've read that those babies and those infants, when they are reached by workers who've come to bring them food, the relief workers say that they have to actually force feed those infants little sips of milk and little bits of food until they actually get their appetite back. They have lost their appetite because they haven't had food for so long. So a lack of appetite is a sign of a severe illness. And there are some undernourished Christians who have no appetite for the word of God. And while we can't force feed you, we can try to create a hunger within you for your own spiritual survival. Like Peter said, as spiritual babies crying out for spiritual milk that will help you grow into salvation if you have tasted and found the Lord to be good. Now, the Bible also provides spiritual meat for the mature, and we pick up in Hebrews 5. By this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. 
Yet I feel like you want me to reteach you the most basic things that God wants you to know. It's almost like you're a baby again, coddled at your mother's breast, nursing and not ready for solid food. No one who lives on milk alone can know the ins and outs of what it means to be righteous and pursue justice. That's because he is only a baby. But solid food is for those who have come of age, for those who have learned through practice to distinguish good from evil. So God told the more mature Christians, and we refer to them as young adults in that spectrum of growing to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. But young adult Christians, they need a deeper understanding of his will. And they're not going to be satisfied with milk for the rest of their lives. So something isn't right if an 11-year-old child just wants milk and baby food for dinner and nothing else. On Friday night, my 11-year-old grandson Seth came with me to go watch a hockey game. It was actually my first cousin's grandsons from PEI that were over here playing in a tournament. And he didn't say to me, Grampy, do you have a bottle of Gerber's baby food in your pocket? But he asked for money so that he could get real food, candy, a a bag of chips, a a chocolate bar, no, a granola bar. We got better on that one. So as we mature in Christ, our spiritual appetite changes. You want something that has a little substance to it to chew on. And there's, you then realize that there's more to the Christian life than just being saved. The Bible has the answer to overcoming addictions, forgiving past sins, to transforming attitudes, dealing with temptation, enduring painful experiences, uh, preparing for the Lord's return. The Bible never grows old because that book contains so much that is covering the important issues in our lives. When Hurricane Fiona struck a large portion of Atlantic Canada back in September of this year, there would have been thousands of people, homeowners, that were digging out their home insurance policies and they were reading the fine print. They they actually may never have read that policy before, but now they're looking to see whether they are covered for things like wind damage or trees falling on their home or even flood damage. But there were cottages on PEI that were washed right off their foundations, so I can imagine the struggle that those owners had. But they would read, and they would reread that policy, looking up words, trying to figure out what certain phrases meant, because a lot of money was at stake, and the study of that policy became important. The Bible is much more important than an insurance policy. Here is the truth that comes from God. And if it's really true, and it is, then we ought to dig into it with delight. We ought to crave to learn more about it. And when people say that the Bible...